Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Enjoying the cloud cover here a little bit? I was kind of hoping for some rain, right? Anybody else? No? That wouldn't be fun for you? <laughs> I got a tent here, so that's why. Well, I'm glad it's cloudy, and I'm glad it seems like a really nice day to be out, and um, hopefully you'll have a chance to get into town there, uh, enjoy some of the festivities later. Um, we are in our series, we're picking this back up. Last week was Father's Day. How many were here last week? Okay. How many fathers, how many of you guys got hot dogs from the truck and everything? Okay. Were they good? All right. Good. I'm glad you guys liked them. We had, um, yeah, we had a lot of folks here, a lot of, uh, just great time to kind of be together and we're glad to be able to bless the dads that way. Um, today we're going to, again, we're going to enter into the next, um, part of our series here, and we'll be in chapter three, and, and I, I, last week we took a pause, so you have to kind of go back two weeks. Hopefully you've all, all were either here and heard it, or you've been online and heard the message from two weeks ago, but uh, if you recall, in chapter three, uh, we saw uh, Peter and John going into the temple, and, and they came across the layman, and Peter, of course, uh, he stopped and he healed, um, well, he prayed and he healed, the layman was healed, and jumped up, and if you remember, we kind of put a pause on it as they prepared to go into the temple, or they entered into the temple, and so we're going to be picking up that scene again this week, and it's going to be, um, I, I really pray that you'll hear the, the heart of the message today, because it's, it's, it's really, we're going to hit a very key point to all of Christianity, to our faith, and so there's uh, just some really good stuff here today, but uh, as we begin, um, how many here have, have ever... You know, if you're out and, you know, here, if you're here today and you profess Christ as Lord and, um, and you're a Christian and you have one of those moments where you come across somebody and you have an opportunity maybe to share uh, the gospel, you're able to share about your, maybe your testimony, about your faith, and things maybe happen too quick or, you know, you just, you're in a hurry and you miss an opportunity and you're kind of, you have regret afterwards and you're thinking, anybody, anybody relate to that besides myself? Great. So you're, we, we're, we should start a support group because it happens to all of us. Everyone else that didn't raise their hand, they're just, they're just lying. So don't worry about it. But, um, but we're all, it happens to all of us. We're out and we, again, just our busy schedules, we have something to do. And we sit there in our cars, we're driving, right? And we're going through the whole conversation of what we should have said and, you know, the things we would have done differently. Well, this happens to pastors too, just so you know. <laughs> um, the other uh, day, about a week ago or so, uh, Leanne and I were at a store, and we pull up in the parking lot. It was one of those, real, remember those really hot days that we had for a while? Those just day after day. And we pulled up next to this vehicle. I didn't really notice uh, what was going on, but we pulled into this spot. And again, I have like a big pickup truck, so I'm like trying to navigate this boat into this spot, you know, just like this wide. And I get it in, I get it parked, and I'm kind of like trying to climb out the door without scratching the car next to me. And I turn around, all of a sudden there's this lady, this, this older lady standing right in front of me. And I'm standing there, and Leanna's getting out the other side, and she looks kind of just, uh, she's just having a bad day. I'll just put it that way. And, you know, she, she starts talking to me, and she's, you can tell the heat is getting to her. And she's like, you know, um, my car won't start, and she's asking me if we have jumper cables. And you know what? I have about every other thing in my truck at that point. <laughs> I could have probably taken her car apart and put it back together, but I didn't have any jumper cables. 
And I felt really bad. I'm like, I, I'm so sorry. I mean, if you can find jumper cables, I'm glad because I'm parked in the spot next to you. I'd be happy to, to you know, to, to jump the car and get you going again. And she was just really kind of, and it wasn't her car. It was a friend's car and all this stuff. And so we talked for a little bit. And, you know, Leanna wants to get shopping. Um, is that how it went or no? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, so, you know, but we're, in, we, we're trying to move along. She's hot. I have a pregnant wife who's also, you know, the heat's getting to her. And so we're like, okay, I said, well, I'm going to go in. We got to get a couple things. If we come out, you know, if you can find jumper cables, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to do this for you. And so we go into the store, and the, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, the, the Holy Spirit or guilt, it's kind of close. You know, the Holy Spirit, as we know, doesn't guilt us, but it convicts us. So maybe it was conviction, but I was really, I was not enjoying the shopping experience. And I was like, honey, I said, I really think I should, should take care of or help this lady. And we talked for a while. We were going around, and she's like, okay, well, go ahead and do what you need to do. And so there was a, a, a Target. We were in a big shopping strip or whatever. And it was a ways down. It was hot. So I went outside, ran down to Target, went inside, bought some jumper cables. Okay, I went back uh, to the car, and, and at that point, another, uh, some people were there. Ended up being her family, and they're trying to figure out things. Well, uh, long story short, we get the car, we hooked up the cables, you know, uh, we get the car started, and the whole family is just like beside themselves. They're like, we can't believe that you went all the way to Target to buy jumper cables just to come help get our mom's car started. And, you know, I said, well, I said, God's really, you know, looking out for you today because I pulled in right next to you. And um, the, the lady stood up. She's like, there really are good people left in this world. And, and, and so, but again, I was kind of in a hurry, kind of, you know, had things to do. And, you know, I, I didn't, I, it's okay to do good things, right? Don't get me wrong. There are times in knowing, you know, again, people, this, she was hot, she was tired. But I just felt like maybe I could have said more or maybe prayed with them, you know. And I, I felt like I missed, I mean, again, I helped. I, you know, talked about God and things like that briefly. I, I feel like we did something. But, you know, I just left the place like, man, could I have done something different? And I say all that today, uh, hopefully, to to bring all of you in a bit, like, yeah, we've been in that situation before. We've been in that situation where we, we see an opportunity, there's a set of circumstances that sets us up, and maybe we miss that chance. And, you know, today as we look at uh, Acts and this, this picture of this layman who is, who is from birth and unable to walk and now is able to walk again, and we see this supernatural healing take place, it's something far more amazing, you know, than, than what maybe my story could capture, obviously. Uh, there was something definitely supernatural that happened. God had touched this man. And so here, though, we see Peter is not going to miss his opportunity to share the gospel, <laughs> to share a very important message to the people who knew this man and who had witnessed uh, this miracle. And so if you are in your Bibles, get to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to be in verse, or starting in verse 11. But one of the things that I want to get across today is that we are not to chase the supernatural just for the sake of supernatural in and of itself, all right? So many times we're praying, and, you know, sometimes God moves, sometimes God heals. Uh, you know, God heals always, maybe, but sometimes it's on this side of eternity, sometimes it's on another. But we do know that God still does miracles, and God still is at work. And the, the, the temptation or the, the draw can be sometimes we want to see these miracles for in, in and of themselves, but here's the deal is every answered prayer and every miracle, everything should point to us, us should point us to glorifying God. 
to glorifying Jesus. Whenever we see healing in the Bible, it's always followed by, by something, either sharing of the gospel or oftentimes Jesus you know, would heal someone's sin before he healed a physical ailment, right? And so again, understanding what is most important, but when these miracles happen, when God moves and meets us in our, our place of need, it should always point us back to who God is. And so as we enter in today into the scripture, into these verses, you're going to see a, an echo, if you will, of, of the day of Pentecost when we studied uh, the word and, and when, when Peter stood up and preached to all those people that were standing outside. You're going to hear, it's almost, you're going to say like, wow, I think I've heard this before because he's sharing a, a lot of the same message. There's some differences, but he's going to share a lot of the same things. And so in Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, let's, let's begin reading. It says, while he clung, he, the person, the man that was uh, healed, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw, saw it, he addressed the people. Okay, so here's Peter once again standing up, addressing the crowd. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power of piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again for today. God, I thank you again for just the, the, the cloud cover today, Lord God, and the cool breeze and just, Lord, this, this amazing day you've given us. God, let us always recognize, Lord, your fingerprints on everything around us as, as creator, God. And God, we just thank you for this message today. We thank you for your word. May it speak to our hearts uh, that we ultimately would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we see Peter, again, seizing this opportunity from the miracle just performed. So he, he, what he's going to do is he's going to walk the crowd through what I call a four-point sermon. You know, they teach us in Bible school, you know, we do three-point sermons. But here Peter's going to do four points or four main things that he wants the people to hear. And what he's going to do is he's going to present basically the gospel to these people, to the Jews that are standing in front of him. Now, point number one we see in verses 12 through 16 is Peter is going to explain what has happened to this lame man, all right, or, and by whose power he has been healed. You notice he starts in verse 12. He says, men of Israel, again, where they were standing, they were literally, it was all men in that, at that point in the temple. And so he's, he's addressing his fellow Jews at this point, men of Israel, all right? And he says, very quickly, he says, why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? So what Peter is doing here is he's quickly shedding any credit that may come, Right? How many of you know if you, you know, if there was, let's say, somebody in town here and there's a festival going on and somebody knew this person, this, this man or this woman that sat every day uh, and had crutches and couldn't walk and, and was always asking for, for some help. If, if, if you walked downtown and you prayed in Jesus' name for this person to be healed and they were able to rise and walk, how many know that very quickly you, you could end up on the shoulders of the crowd? You could be praised as, as the Savior, really, right? 
Now, maybe that's an extreme, and maybe it's, it's, it's hard to, to, to picture that, but we are so drawn at times, aren't we, to uh, our ego being stroked a bit. <laughs> it feels good to be, to be loved, you know, to be liked or to be celebrated, doesn't it? It feels good when people are kind of, you know, wow, that was a great job, and, and you're, you're amazing, and you're awesome. Any awesome people here today? Trick question. You don't know what to do, do you? You're all awesome. You can all raise your hand, all right? But, but the thing is, is we can, if we're not careful, we can be sucked in so quickly, can't we? We can be sucked into that, yeah, no, I, I, am, I am pretty good. And here Peter, again, jumps in very, right out, right out the gate, very quick, and he's like, do you think it's because of us that this man's walking? Do you think it's because of something, how we're so great? And so, again, Peter is quickly turning the spotlight, if you will, to where it needs to be. And notice what he says in, in verse 13. He begins to walk through. He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and the God of our fathers. Now, let's be very clear. We've all heard probably this, this line before, haven't we? These, these names of God. Every single Jew, this is how they would know the God that you're talking about. This is their God at this point that is being referenced. And Peter, what is he doing? He's setting them up a bit, isn't he? He's drawing him in saying, you know, this God, the God that you know, right? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers. So he's identifying, he's like, we're all Jews and this is our God that I'm speaking of, right? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I know that. That's, that's the God that did that. Yeah, yeah. And so they get sucked in. And then what does he say? He continues, right? And he says, the God of our fathers. And he goes on, he says, it glorified his servant, Jesus, and everybody's kind of like, wait a second. <laughs> you just kind of, you took a little turn there on us. Okay, so he glorified his servant Jesus. And then he continues with this phrase. And if you remember when we preached on, uh, when he was speaking to everybody at Pentecost, it was the same kind of thing. Imagine standing in front of a crowd and, and, and places I've read and commentaries I've read, there literally could have been thousands, if not millions of people in the area. Maybe not in that crowd, but it could have easily been thousands of people. And so he's going to sit here and say, you know, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Now, once again, let's pause here for a moment because we can easily miss this moment. Can you see the potential dilemma or problem that could be arising here? <laughs> You've just accused thousands and thousands of people potentially that they turned over the Messiah and killed him. That you take ownership of this. It was your fault that this happened. Again, he is bringing the truth to these people, and it's happening on the coattails of this miracle that was performed. And so I think people are probably like, that's kind of offensive what you said. <laughs> but at the same time, this man just was raised up and is walking now. And so we're kind of like, maybe we're just gonna hold our ground here and listen for a bit more. Because <laughs> it took that kind of a miracle to get these people's attention. And so he, he, you know, he uses this term too, and this is something you could easily miss, but when he says he glorified his servant, Jesus, this, this, is, this is one place, and there's one other place in, this, uh, in Acts that, that this term for Jesus is used as servant, I know we mention it sometimes, but do we really see Jesus as serving, as servant, you know? 
But we see it when he, when he washes the disciples' feet, right? That's kind of a, a picture of, of, of his heart, you know, as he's down and, and he's washing, doing this lowly task to wash the disciples' feet. But here he says, glorified his servant Jesus. And what's so amazing about Scripture and what's so amazing about Peter, who is full of the Holy Spirit and, and preaching, is that it's all, he's tying everything in for the people so that they can follow. Why does he say his servant Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because in Isaiah 52, we're very familiar, we say, recite portions of this around Easter time, but in Isaiah 52 and 53, but in Isaiah 52, 13, he says this, he says, behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. Again, these men would have known this scripture. They would have known this passage from the prophet Isaiah like the back of their hand and of the promised Messiah. And so now notice how Peter is connecting the dots for them. And once he has them here, he then walks them into who Jesus was and is. And, and so uh, from Isaiah chapter 53, verses three through six, listen to what this says. And this will ring a bell probably for those who are here during Easter. He says, he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So again, Peter is, is, is building this bridge because again, the, the Jewish faith was not a different religion than Christianity. The Christianity was simply a continuation of the Jewish faith, wasn't it? And some chose not to acknowledge Jesus as, as the Messiah and that's, that's where the disconnect is. But this claim here that, that, that Peter is bringing to the forefront is central to our faith today, and it still stands today. This is the message that we carry to others, that the one true creator God entered our space and time world through the person of Jesus Christ. You see, it all comes down to Jesus, doesn't it? It's all about Jesus, and where some of the greatest disconnect happens with, with Christianity and, and any other faith or religion, it always comes down to the, the, who the person of Jesus Christ is, doesn't it? I've had many conversations while living in the Middle East with people, and you can, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got three boys, soon to be four. I've got three boys that are named after uh, guys that show up in the Quran, too. Oh, yeah, Isaac, Noah, Joshua, yeah, you know, and we'd have these conversations, <laughs> and everything's fine and dandy, but then you bring up Jesus, and again, you have to watch those conversations because it's, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but they have a very different belief on who Jesus actually is. They don't believe he's the Messiah. They don't believe that he is the Son of God. And so Jesus does become the stumbling block always, but it always comes back to who Jesus is. And this is what Peter is getting at. This is what Peter is building up in this, in this moment is who Jesus is, and he's helping to bring them in. You see, we, like Peter, must always be quick to give credit where credit's due and to, and to move ourselves to the background and push Jesus to the front. 
And that's what Peter is doing in this situation. And so this first point, again, is him explaining by whose power this man was healed. His second point, and this is the fun one, is that there was guilt found in these people's rejection of Jesus. How many love starting a conversation like that? How many love starting a conversation with somebody and, you know, you're just like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're guilty. You're, you're a sinner. <laughs> There's no getting around it. This is the sin. It's still sin. I know all of you on Facebook, right? You're, you're, you're typing it away and getting it out there, right? That this is wrong. This is sin. And it's just accepted by everybody, isn't it? People just love to hear that. No, I'm joking. We don't, we don't love to hear that, do we? It's not easy for us to hear sometimes when we're, we're in the wrong. But still, we need to hear it. Because understand that, that this crowd, you know, they had handed Jesus over to be killed. They had disowned him before Pilate. They had disowned the holy and righteous one, chosen a murderer over Jesus, the Messiah. Okay, they had chosen to give us a murderer instead. And they'd ultimately killed the author of life. <laughs> How would you like that on your resume? You know, especially here these, these folks are who were there at that time. You see, this would have been bad enough if Jesus had just been another ordinary man or ordinary Jew. Because understand here, as a Jew, he had certain rights or he should have had certain rights. You know, they would never sell out their own countrymen, their own Jewish brothers for anything. But yet, on that level alone, they went against what they were supposed to do. If you can, I mean, imagine, you know, in some countries they have kings or rulers. And imagine that, you know, somehow, you, you know, you were part of the group that captured this king and didn't know that he was a king. And you simply, you put him on trial quietly and you didn't realize, and this, this king was executed. And, and later you find out that you actually killed the king of a country. That's a pretty big weight on, our shoulder, on your shoulders, wouldn't it be? And this is where they are. This is what's going on is they're, they're realizing the magnitude of what has taken place. Bruce Milne, uh, in his commentary, he explains it this way, and I really liked it. He says, they had failed to recognize him when he came. Worse, they had disowned him, being Jesus. Worse still, they had handed him over to the Gentile Roman overlords. Yet worse again, they had chosen to liberate Barabbas, a murderer, rather than God's Messiah. Worst of all, almost unthinkably, they had killed him. They had murdered the Messiah, disowned the divine one, slain the son of God, and killed the king of glory. They were guilty, every single one of them. Just like with us, our sin makes us guilty, doesn't it? that we are in need of a savior. And these, these men standing before Peter are beginning to realize that the promised Messiah had been standing literally right in front of them and they missed it. They missed the fact that Jesus was standing there, the Messiah, and they killed him. They were guilty. Again, we live in a, a day and age where <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, do what you do. 
as long as it's not bothering me or whatever, you know, just it's okay, be you. <laughs> right and wrong is just fading into like this. There's no, the black and white, it's, it's becoming a gray, isn't it? Like just a mess, a mesh of, of, of right and wrong. You know, maybe you've heard this phrase, what's right for you maybe isn't necessarily what's right for me. You know, you say the sky's blue, I say the sky's red, prove me wrong. <laughs> and as simple as that sounds, you might have a hard time these days. And that's the day and age we live in. But that's not the case. That's not what truth is. And that's not what the gospel is all about. Let's continue reading in Acts chapter 3. If you still have your Bibles open, I'm going to pick back up and just read a little bit more here, beginning at verse 17. <clears throat> As Peter continues, he says, And now, brothers, and notice again, if you recall from his last message on the day of Pentecost, that word brothers. Seems like whenever Peter's kind of going to bring it home, whenever he wants to really connect with his audience, he wants to remind them, we're brothers. We're, we're the same. We're in the same position in need of a Savior. So he, he connects now on a deeper level. He says, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer he thus fulfilled. Verse 19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So he comes to his third point here, Peter does. And his third point is now, again, coming off of the fact that they were guilty for their rejection. His third point now is, so what is the way forward? Who is the way to salvation? And he begins in verse 17, and he, he acknowledges the fact, which I think is good. You know, I don't think all people try to do evil things or bad things or wrong things, but he acknowledges like they, they acted in ignorance. There are people out there who simply do not know. <laughs> they just don't know. Do you know what sinners are really good at? Sinning. <laughs> they, they don't know. This is what we're supposed to do. And so, again, you know, that's, that's something for that he recognizes the fact that they were in ignorance. Has anybody ever watched the show? It's one of my favorite shows, Undercover Boss. Really? Only? Okay. So, I mean, so let me just, for the sake that the rest of you actually haven't watched it, that, you know, they, they basically a boss, a, a CEO, a lot of times wants to find out what's really going on in his company or her company. And so what they do is they get dressed up and they go to their different places, uh, their businesses. Um, all, oftentimes it's all across the U.S. And they go in in different like kind of entry level positions and they're all dressed up undercover. I'm like, I love that. I think it's the funniest, coolest thing. <laughs> like I would love to do that with people. Maybe I'll do it to you guys sometime. Um, but, but to come in and they, they come in, they want to see and they have these conversations. And some of those conversations are, are, are bad. You know, they find like the, the person that they're working with is, you know, kind of like taking breaks or sleeping on the clock and stuff like that. And then other times, you know, they, they hear these really 
uh, wonderful stories, amazing stories of people just, you know, working hard and trying to just make a living for their family, and, and they see the, the work ethic, and, and then, you know, it's the, the greatest thing, if you all watched it, if you haven't, you should, but at the end of the show, you know, they're, they're called in to meet, you know, in this big building and the big office of the CEO, and they're like, oh my goodness, and they walk in and they see the person that they'd been talking to. It's, it's so great. It's so fun, and just seeing the reactions, though, and, you know, they, they again, it, it gets a little tense, a little awkward sometimes when the ones that were acting bad and they're kind of let go, they're fired by the CEO of the company. Um, but you watch them walk in, you're like, oh, my goodness. And then you see it kind of set in, like, all the things they did and said. <laughs> and that, that's, there, there was ignorance there, right? Because they didn't understand or didn't recognize who they were in the presence of, this, this undercover CEO of the company. And so here, you know, again, these, these people acted in ignorance. But then he reminds them in verse 18, he said, listen, you know, while that is the case, God's plan would be fulfilled. Going back to Isaiah 53 in verse 10, it says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. You see, God had a plan. God knew that Jesus would be rejected. God knew that Jesus had to be crushed, that he knew that Jesus would have to go to the cross to ultimately pay for your sin and for my sin and, and for these, these folks' sin here. And so he gives them this, this plea in, in verse 19. He says, repent and turn back, meaning they, had used to, they used to be on the way. They used to be walking as they should in sync as, as Jews and as followers of God. But they had missed this point and, and gone astray. But how many of you are thankful that God's message today is still that you can turn back you can come back to a place of good standing, of, of being in communion with God. That is the message that Peter is sharing. And in, in verse 19 as well, he says, that your sins may be blotted out. And I think that's such a beautiful picture. That it's, you know, we hear how, how the, the, the blood of Christ, it covers our sin, but also too, it doesn't just cover, it actually takes away that sin. In one of the commentaries I was reading, it mentioned how when they used to write on the scrolls, the ink back then didn't have the acid our ink has now, and so it wouldn't soak in. And so they could literally take like a, a wet sponge or something, and you could actually just wipe off that ink off the scroll. And that's how it is with our sin. And some of you here, some of you watching online, need to be reminded of that today, need to hear that today, because some of you still live under the guilt of your past. Now, I'm not saying there's not consequences of our past. Some things we have to live out and walk out should never be living under the guilt because Jesus died on the cross that those sins could be washed away, could be blotted out completely. And we should be walking in that knowledge. Jesus is the way to salvation. And lastly, his fourth point in the, the, the end of this section is that salvation is now. Salvation is now. In verse 19, he says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What have we been saying all along, you know, as we've been in this book of Acts, is about being filled with the Spirit, that, that God's presence is still here and now. We are not, um, we are not you know, kind of hunkered down as Christians. You know, and, and I talked to a lot of you, and 
during the time that, that we're living and that what we're seeing, it can, it can come to that place where you sort of feel like, I just want to like kind of put a, you know, a big bucket over myself and just kind of like hunker down and I'm just going to wait this out until Jesus either comes back or I kick the bucket. Yeah, that worked out actually. So I kick the bucket and go home, you know, for eternity. Church, we are not made to do that. We are not made to build our walls higher and, and to build a bunker. We are made to go out and share the gospel. We are made to go out amongst the people that need to hear the good news. We are, again, if, if there are sick people in the world, spiritually, they need the doctor. They need a doctor. And they may not be able to come to a hospital, so to speak. There are many people who will never set foot in a building like this. But that should not stop us as the church to take the good news and to carry the gospel to where those people are. We do not need to be afraid as followers of Christ. Do you understand that? Is it going to be challenging? Yeah, of course it can be challenging. Do we know what it's going to look like in 10, 20 years? No, it could be rough. And I don't mean to give this away. I don't know if I want to say this yet or not, but... Next week, we'll get into the, what happens after this. And let me, let me just go ahead and give the, 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 the big secret away here. Do you, know, do you know what happens after this, after he shares all this? Do they get stoned, or do the people strike them down? No, that doesn't happen. Do you know what happens? It says 5,000 people come to Christ in that moment. 5,000 people come to God. 5,000, in that setting, 5,000 men, which means their households, their homes, so it's even more than that, came to know the Lord. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Can you imagine that, 5,000 people? Do you know what happens right after that, <laughs> or during that time? They got arrested. They got taken into custody. And I'm not going to go too far ahead, but that, that's what happened. Sounds great, doesn't it? Anybody, anybody want to do that? I don't. I don't want to do that. That's not what my hope is. But it shows that, I mean, again, we can celebrate. 5,000 people, is it, is it worth I guarantee you if, you were, if Peter and John were here today, they would say it was worth it, right? They would say it was worth it. 5,000. We can have these times of refreshing now. Salvation is now. A time of complete restoration will come one day when Jesus returns and sets things right. But that doesn't stop us from being in a time of refreshing now. As we prepare to wrap up today, I just want to share a few, um, a few things with you, a few thoughts. And what we're going to do is we're going to close. I don't know if you noticed we only had a couple songs. We're going to have a few songs and a chance for you to respond because this message has some weight to it. And this message needs to be processed a bit. And we want you to do that. And we want you to worship God for the next few moments and just let him speak to you. But one of the things I want to share is the fact that God will use many times the out-of-the-ordinary things in our life to get our attention. What does that mean? When life kind of comes off the rails, God gets our attention, doesn't he? Around this time last year, God had our attention, didn't he? 
because we didn't know. We thought maybe, you know, maybe this is it. I'm going to, you know, Jesus is coming because it seems like the, the end is near. We just didn't know. Why? Because our world, what we thought was just, this is how it is every day, it just got totally rearranged, didn't it? Something out of the ordinary happened, but it got our attention. And I bet you most people in this congregation here and watching online, most of us probably drew very close to God during that time, didn't we? Because we didn't know where to turn. We didn't know what else to do. And as things start to return back to, to normal, if you will, or, or some form of that, I want you to remember that God is still there and God still wants us to be close to him. And he's still calling us to be close. Have you noticed that, unlike Peter, oftentimes most of us here today would rather focus, not just us here, but us as a church as a whole, capital C Church, would rather focus oftentimes on just the love of God and the peace he has to offer when we talk to strangers. Now, is God love? Sure he is. Is God the, the Prince of Peace? Yes, he is. But what Peter got at is that until, the deal, until we deal with the issue of sin, no one will never know the love of God or experience his peace, will they? Again, a God of love who is not just cannot exist. <laughs> God has to be just and God has to be holy. And to be holy, there cannot be a place for sin. It's like when we see our children doing something they're not supposed to. If I see my son creeping into this uh, busy street, you don't think I'm going to go tackle him and knock him out of the way? Is that going to hurt? <laughs> yeah, I'm about five times as big as my son. But was it done out of love? Sure. Why? Because I knew that there was consequences for that decision to be. And if he did not remove himself from the road because he didn't understand the concept or the idea that a Mack truck is barreling down and going to run him over. And so when we talk to people, we need to do so from a place of love. We need to understand where those people are. We need to understand what they're dealing with, get a chance to know them and, and, to, and to be in their shoes for a minute. But we must never make excuses for sin. Why? It's not because we're better. We're sinful just like they are. But until we recognize the magnitude of our sin, we see that as that is what separates us from knowing the peace of God, of knowing the love of God, and ultimately knowing God personally and having relationship with him. Until those things are addressed, until that sin is removed and blotted out, we cannot experience the fullness of God's love and his grace and his mercy. So I challenge each of you today, and this goes for everyone watching here in this place and watching online. Maybe you have not been uh, brought the gospel, the, the true gospel of Jesus Christ yet. Maybe you walk and you hold hands with that little pet sin that's just, you know what, this is just, it's okay. It doesn't hurt anyone. But ultimately it's hurting you and it's separating you from knowing the love of God. Again, the message today is about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we must always exalt Jesus above everyone else, of anything else, including ourselves. We must not avoid calling sin, sin in the lives of lost people. 
And listen, and I know you know it, I know we've hit it a couple times, but we're gonna do it one more time because we need to understand, again, I get it in this day, and you see it. You see truth is sort of like becoming this, like trying to hold water in your hand, isn't it? You're like, this is why this is true. It's, it's, it's simple. But somebody's like, no, I don't believe that because I don't want to. That's not sin. Why do I? I don't want to believe that. Why? Well, because <laughs> I enjoy doing it and I don't want to change. But we still need to call true. When we see sin, we need to call it for what it is. Boldly, as Peter did. They didn't know. And again, like we said, yeah, 5,000 came to know Christ. But it came at a cost and they were taken into to custody, right? So it came at a cost, but that didn't stop the boldness. And lastly, we must be quick to point people to repentance and the gift of God's grace. Once they've acknowledged, yeah, you're right, I am a sinner and I need a savior. It's a beautiful message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The beautiful thing is, is that yes, the fact is, you know, we, we do have sin, we are sinners, but the beauty, the beauty comes is that when we recognize that there's sin there, there's the response, there's an answer. You don't have to stay in that situation. Yet so many people choose to remain disconnected from God. Why do they have, why are they in this place of hopelessness? Why are they in this place of sorrow or of uncertainty? It's because they don't know. They've not connected with the life giver, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you, Lord, for this time. God, I thank you for your word. Lord God, I thank you that you are moving and are at work in the world. And Lord, as we've seen today, God, may you fill us, may you fill your church with the boldness again to share the good news of the gospel. We do not stand as judged. We, we stand as one who was judged, Lord, by our sin, that we deserved death. And God, that it was only through the work of the cross and through the work of Jesus dying shedding his blood that we can be saved and can that we can be found innocent now and lord if there's anyone here in this place within the sound of my voice if there's anyone watching online who doesn't know you as lord and savior who doesn't know what it is to 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 know you and in, in your peace and your mercy and your love in its fullness lord i pray that lord today would be the day that today would be the day, Lord, that they first acknowledge their sin. That they would say, I am a sinner. I, I, I cannot live a perfect life. I realize that. And I realize that it's my sin that separates me from my creator. And God, that they would acknowledge you as, as Lord and Savior, that you, you died, that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, for their sins and for our sins that God, he did not stay there. That on the third day that you rose him from the dead, that he arose from the dead and now is seated at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. God, I pray, Lord, that those who don't know you, Lord, would, would pray and invite you into their lives to be Lord and to be Savior. And God, for those of us who are Christians, Lord, who are followers of Jesus and have been saved, 
God, may you continue, Lord, to stir up boldness within our church. May we be a church who boldly proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. God, may people come to know who the one true God is. May they come to know mercy and love and forgiveness, Lord, that only comes through Jesus Christ. God, we live in a world that is hurting, that is moving ever more quickly away from you. But God, we trust that you are truly at work and God, that you are using every circumstance and every situation for your glory. And God, I, I also pray, Lord, for as we started this, this afternoon, Lord, in that place of sometimes we have regrets. And Lord, we pray, Lord, for those people maybe where we missed it, we missed our chance. But God, we are so thankful and glad and grateful that, Lord, you see that person and you love them, Lord, as much as, as you love anything. And God, that you will bring someone else across their path to share the good news. God, God, we know that you are good and we know that you are faithful. So God, we leave that with you today. God, I thank you for each person here. And God, that you are a God who is still in control and still at work. God, we thank you for this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?